as you're being seated, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We will pick up again in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 as we continue our study through this fantastic book that Paul wrote to the believers in Thessalonica years ago. We are making our way through the teaching section of chapter 4 that Paul shared with the believers in Thessalonica. Paul, Silas, and Timothy knew that the believers in Thessalonica were young in their faith in Christ Jesus. They needed instruction and encouragement so that they could continue growing in their faith in Jesus and living out their faith in Jesus day by day. We see this in chapter 3, verse 10. Paul wrote these words as we pray very earnestly night and day to see you face to face and to complete what is lacking in your faith. Paul, Silas, and Timothy prayed earnestly to God to open the way for them to return to Thessalonica so that they could continue teaching these believers in Thessalonica face to face. Until God answered their prayer, Paul taught the Thessalonian believers through his writing to the Thessalonian believers that we are studying through this morning. These words of life and truth are for us today. So we're going to pick back up in our study of this passage in chapter 4 that we got to start into last Sunday. We're in chapter 4. I'll begin reading once again in verse 13. These words will be familiar uh, to many of you who were here last Sunday, uh, and you'll pick right up if you weren't able to join with us last week. You'll pick right up as we continue making our way through chapter 4. Paul wrote these words, we do not want you to be uninformed Brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe Jesus died and rose again, in the same way through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For we say this to you by a word from the Lord, we who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise First, then we are still alive, who are left. We caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with him always. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. There was confusion and concern among the believers in Thessalonica about death, the hope of heaven, the return of Jesus, and how all this worked together. There's still confusion and concern today among believers about death, the hope of heaven, the return of Jesus, and how all this works together for those of us who follow Christ and who claim the name of Jesus Christ. The main question of these Thessalonian believers was simply this, what happens to believers who die before the return of Jesus? They wondered if a brother or sister in Christ died before Jesus returned, which was happening in the church, then did that mean that brother or sister in Christ would miss out on, would be absent from the great and glorious day of the return of Jesus? The believers in Thessalonica believed in 
the imminent return of Jesus. They believed in the return of Jesus. The believers in Thessalonica looked forward to the return of Jesus. The Apostle Paul taught them the imminent return of Jesus, which simply means Jesus can come back for us at any moment. These believers in Thessalonica believed that Jesus was returning for them soon, in their lifetime, at any moment. Paul emphasized this all through 1 Thessalonians in each of the five chapters. Chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, Paul said, For they themselves report what kind of reception we have from you, how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. These believers in Thessalonica faithfully waited and watched for the return of Jesus. As followers of Jesus, we know Jesus is coming back for us. We just don't know when Jesus is coming back for us. Reminds me of the story of the young girl who was in worship service with her mom one Sunday morning. The pastor was preaching on the rapture, the return of Jesus. And after the service, the little girl was talking to her mom. And she said, Mommy, do you believe Jesus will come back? And the mother said, Yes, I do, dear. And the girl asked, Do you believe Jesus come back this week? Mom said, Yes, I do. And she asked, Mommy, do you believe Jesus could come back today? And the mother said, Yes. She said, Mommy, do you believe Jesus could come back in this hour? And the mother said, yes, I do, dear. And the little girl said, do you believe Jesus could come back in the next few minutes? And the mother said, I do. Yes, I do, dear. And the little girl said, mommy, brush my hair. I want to be ready. She understood what we need to understand today. She was ready. She wanted to be ready for the return of Jesus. We as followers of Jesus need to live ready for the return of Jesus. We need to be ready for his return. We need to stay ready for his return. We need to focus on his return because of the blessings that it provides for us on a day-by-day basis, which is part of the reason why God is speaking to us through Paul's writing to these believers years ago this morning by his Holy Spirit in us so that we can understand more about this return of Jesus and what it means for us as followers of Jesus. The confusion among some of the Thessalonian believers over this issue of death, the hope of heaven, the return of Jesus, led them to grieve and mourn the death of their brothers and sisters in Christ there in the church with a sense of hopelessness. They were grieving and mourning the death of their loved ones with a sense of hopelessness. Like, that's it. That's all there is. They they didn't understand. And so Paul gladly, Paul lovingly addressed their confusion and concern in this passage. So let's look at this passage again this morning. Verse 13. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. Paul said to Timothy, did not want the believers in Thessalonica to be uninformed, to be unaware of what happens to their brothers and sisters in Christ who die before the return of Jesus. Paul, in this passage, used a sleep, koimao, a sleep to describe death, which was a common practice 
among the culture in Paul's day, but it was also a common practice in the scriptures as we showed last week. So Paul, knowing this concern of these believers, he shared God's truth with them about death, and he begins here in this passage lining it out. He shared God's truth with the believers about death, about the return of Jesus, about the hope of heaven, because he didn't want these believers in Thessalonica to grieve and mourn like the rest who have no hope. The rest... Here in this passage, in verse 13, is a reference to those who do not have a relationship with God by faith in Jesus Christ. Those who do not have a relationship with God by faith and trust in Jesus Christ have no hope of spending eternity with God in heaven one day because faith and trust in Jesus Christ is the one and only way to enter into a relationship with God which leads to eternity with God. And so there was no hope for those apart from a relationship with Christ Jesus. Those who had not yet received Jesus as their Savior and Lord had no hope. So those, the rest, or outsiders, as he referred to them in verse 12, those who didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, by God's grace through their faith in Christ, they mourn and grieve death without hope. There's no hope for them. They just stop and think about that for a minute. Praise God. This is not true of us. Amen. Praise God. This is not true of us. And Paul continues in verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Paul said, for if we believe, that's a better translation for since we believe. As followers of Jesus, we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? As followers of Jesus, we believe Jesus Christ died on the cross in our place, paying the price for our sins. We believe he was buried in the tomb, and we believe on the third day God raised Jesus back to life, victorious over sin and death for you and me. Our faith in Jesus, our hope in Jesus, our hope in spending eternity with Jesus is built upon the firm foundation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ had not been raised from the dead, our preaching, our teaching, our worship, our faith is useless. If Jesus Christ has not been raised, we're still dead in our sins and transgressions. If Jesus Christ has not been raised from the dead, we are still separated from God because of our sin against God. If Jesus Christ has not been raised from the dead, we have no hope of spending eternity with God in heaven one day. If Jesus Christ has not been raised from the dead, we are without God, without help, and without hope in this world. But understand this, the good news of Scripture from cover to cover points to the truth that Jesus Christ is alive. You see, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 and verses 3 and 4, For I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised to life according to the Scriptures. Praise God, Jesus is alive. He is risen. He is risen indeed. We have evidence and proof that's overwhelming to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul was sharing these words with these believers. They understood the power, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Some of them quite probably were still alive and had seen 
and heard the actual resurrection of Jesus Christ because this is an early letter that Paul wrote. And so we know and understand what Paul's saying here in verse 14 was simply this. Those who have died before the return of Jesus will not miss out because they will be returning with Jesus. You see, when we die, our body, our physical shell, our flesh, when we die, our body lays in a grave as if asleep. Our body begins the process of decay. When we die, our soul goes immediately to the presence of our Almighty God. We are in his presence. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, as we shared last Sunday. We see Paul affirm this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in verses 9 and 10, when he wrote these words, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, say that with me, awake or asleep, one more time, awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Here's the news. Jesus Christ made the way for us to receive God's gift of salvation by his perfect life, death, and resurrection so that by faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we know whether we are awake or whether we are asleep, we will live together with him in glory. This was great news for the believers in Thessalonica. This is great news for you and me today. We can now understand Paul. We can now agree with Paul who said, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ Jesus. Every single day God gives us breath on this earth. It's for Jesus Christ. And at that moment in time, when God calls us home, to die is gain. Because we close our eyes on this earth, we wake up in the presence of Almighty God for all eternity. What a glorious truth that we see here in this passage unfolding for us. But Paul's not finished yet. Watch as he continues. Look at what he says in verse 15. He then says and continues in verse 15. For we say this to you by a word from the Lord. We who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. So let's look at this. Paul says, for we say this to you by a word from the Lord. What Paul is saying here is this is God's word to you through me. Paul's saying, these aren't my words, these are God's words through me to you. These aren't Silas or Timothy's words, these are words from the Lord. These are God's promises, this is God's truth for you. This is a word from the Lord, is what Paul's saying. And he continues and he says, for we say this to you by a word from the Lord. This is almighty God speaking through me, even in this writing. And he says this, we who are still alive at the Lord's coming. Now, there's many ways for us to look at this passage and to glean amazing truth from this passage. Paul says, for we who are still alive at the Lord's coming. What do we know? Well, we know this immediately. Paul said, for we who are still alive, Paul not only taught the imminent return of Jesus Christ, but guess what? Paul believed it. He believed it. For we who are still alive at the Lord's coming. Paul believed That Jesus Christ could come back at any moment. Paul believed that Jesus Christ could come back for him in his lifetime. For those of us who are alive at the Lord's coming. The Lord's coming, the parousia in the original language. The Lord's coming, the return of Jesus, the rapture of Jesus, the coming of Jesus, the parousia of Jesus. 
the Lord's coming describes the time when Jesus returns for us to be with us, his followers, which can happen at any moment. The Apostle Paul, as we see here, obviously, clearly, in this passage and in other passages that he's written as well throughout the New Testament, the Apostle Paul clearly lived with a sense of expectancy in the reality that Jesus Christ could return for him at any moment. He lived with this sense of expectancy, this sense of excitement, this sense of anticipation for we who are still alive at the Lord's coming, for we are still alive at the parousia of Jesus Christ. He had that sense of expectancy, though he did not know for sure. And we see this transition in his writings as he got closer and closer to the end. He was not sure at this point whether the Lord Jesus would come back for him in his lifetime or whether he would die before the Lord Jesus returned. And so we see that he said, we will certainly, so we are still alive at the Lord's coming, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. He said, we are alive at the Lord's coming. Maybe me, maybe not. They were watching and waiting. He said, we who are alive at the Lord's coming will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Well, we already know what asleep means. It means death. So those who have fallen asleep, he's referring to the brothers and sisters in Christ who have already died before the return of Jesus. So what he's saying here is, Paul's saying, what you want you to know, because y'all are struggling with this. So those of us who are alive when the Lord Jesus returns to the parousia, we're not going to precede those who have fallen asleep. What that means is the believers in Christ Jesus who are alive when Jesus returns will not precede, will not have an advantage over. We will not get a head start, so to speak, on the blessings of the return of Jesus over those who have already died before the return of Jesus because those who have died before the return of Jesus will be returning with Jesus. And so as followers of Jesus, what Paul is saying is we will all enjoy the return of Jesus. As followers of Jesus, we will live with him together. We will be with him together. Those who have fallen asleep and those who are alive at the Lord's coming. And so Paul is beginning to help them understand, beginning to put their minds at ease. As I shared a little bit last week, I believe at this point as they're reading this and as these believers, you need to remember this was not sent by email or posted on Facebook for these believers to get their homes and check out what's going on. It wasn't on the TV. It wasn't on the news feed. Now, these believers were struggling. They were hurting. They were confused. Their brothers and sisters in Christ were dying. They didn't know what was going on. They had sent word with Timothy to Paul, and they were waiting and waiting and waiting for the response because Paul, Silas, Timothy had not been able to get back to them. And so I imagine, as I'm sure you can as well, these believers were gathered together in homes due to the opposition, the persecution. It may have been a night. 
and begin reading this letter. I believe they're searching. They're searching. Where, where is it? What did he say? Did he answer her questions? I believe as they're reading, someone's reading aloud as they get to this passage. I tell you, I believe a celebration's starting. I, I believe the quiet's breaking up. I believe as these believers are reading and listening to someone reading these words, I believe they're starting, the hallelujah chorus is starting to, to rise up. They're starting to move. They're starting to sway. They may start to clap. They're not concerned about being quiet. I don't believe any longer because they're starting to hear these words of life and truth. And it's starting to break through their confusion. And it's starting to speak and minister to them as the Holy Spirit is just downloading blessings into their lives. And Paul continues in verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. So he gets to, he's now at this point where he's starting to help him understand what this is going to potentially look like. And he says here, as he says, listen, I want you to know those who are alive, those who have gone before, it's all going to be good because they're all going to be there together at the parousia, at the coming of Jesus. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven. He's going to descend. So what does that mean? It means Jesus Christ is coming back for us. We know Jesus is coming back for us because Jesus told us he was coming back for us. Jesus told his disciples and us in John chapter 14, if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come back. I will return for you and take you to be with myself so that where I am, you may be also. And so we know Jesus Christ by his word promised us that if he's going away, he's coming back. And we know he went away after he died on the cross, after he was buried, after he rose again, after 40 days of appearing to the believers, he ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of the throne of God where he remains today. And he's coming back. He told us he's coming back. And we know he is coming back for us. Now remember, let me just share, let me give us a reminder, and we're not going to labor long on this. Let me just remind us, as we shared last week, Many faithful, conservative, biblical scholars disagree on the timeline of the return of Jesus, the parousia, the coming of Jesus. They disagree, and it's okay. There's nothing wrong with the disagreement. There's nothing wrong with the different interpretations of how this is all going to be timed out. Some believers, some scholars, some followers of Jesus believe that this coming, this parousia, of Jesus is going to happen prior to the tribulation period at the end times. That the church will be raptured out. Some believers, scholars, followers of Jesus believe that this return of Jesus is going to happen right in the middle of the tribulation period. The three and a half year mark, right in the middle of the tribulation period before the tribulation in the last three and a half years really gets nasty. Other believers, scholars, followers of Jesus believe that's going to happen after the tribulation, the church will go through the tribulation period, and it will be more likely acquaint, uh, accounted to the second coming of Jesus before the thousand-year millennial reign of Jesus Christ. Paul's point was to encourage these believers not to settle a debate, not to dra draft out charts and, and deadlines and outlines so that they can know exactly what's getting ready to happen, when and what, because we all, only God knows that. But what we do know, and what we can say based on verse 16, is this. When Jesus comes back for us, we're going to know... We're going to know 
when he comes back. Why? How? Well, I can tell you right now how we're going to know. The scripture here, Paul says, Jesus is coming back with a shout. He's going to descend with a shout. That, is, that means an order or a command as from a commanding officer to their troops. Jesus is coming back with a shout, but not that, not just that. Jesus is coming back with the voice of the archangel. The archangel is the leader of God's angelic army. I can only imagine that is one bad angel. We don't know who this archangel is. Scripture doesn't tell us here, but we do know Jude and his book in the New Testament identified Michael as an archangel. But we also know Jesus is coming back with the trumpet of God. I shout the archangel's voice in the trumpet of God. There's going to be a trumpet blast signifying the return of Jesus. And listen, this trumpet blast is not going to be the trumpet of judgment that we see in the book of Revelation on those who don't have a relationship with God by faith in Jesus. It's going to be the trumpet of deliverance as the Savior Jesus comes back to take us, his church, to be with him forever. Woo, man, that's good. That's good. I love what Vance Havner, Bible scholar, teacher, and author said. He said this, I'm not looking for signs, I'm listening for a sound. Listening for a sound. That's good stuff. And he said, and the dead in Christ will rise first. The dead in Christ, again, we understand, are those brothers and sisters in Christ who have already died, who have passed away before the return of Jesus. The dead in Christ shall rise first. So what does it mean? Well, we've already, he's already shared with us that when Jesus returns at the parousia, at the coming, the dead in Christ are coming with him. So their glorified souls will then meet up with their glorified bodies in the air, and they will be coming. These dead, the dead in Christ, our brothers and sisters in Christ who have gone on before us, they are going to be returning at the parousia. They'll be coming for those of us who are still alive, and their glorified soul will meet up with their glorified body, and they will be with Jesus forever, and as they return with him in the air. And he says then, then we who are still alive, who are left, in verse 17, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Woo! So those of us who are alive, the followers of Jesus who are left, those of us who are still alive, when the Lord returns, we are going to be caught up in the clouds to meet the Father in the air. We're going to meet him in the air. That word caught up here, harpazo, means to snatch up or to snatch away. It means to take suddenly without notice. It means to rapture. And what we know is this is going to happen. This scene is going to unfold. This climactic event is going to happen in the twinkling of an eye twinkling of an eye. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51. Paul said this. Listen, I'm telling you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we will be changed. What does that mean? It means this. We who are still alive, we who are still left, when Jesus returns, we're going to be changed. That means we will immediately be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and we will receive our glorified bodies in the twinkling of an eye. And we will join with the dead in Christ who will be returning, and we will be with him forever in the air. What an awesome blessing. Let me tell you what, that's going to be one amazing, incredible flight. 
I mean, stop and think about it. Are you kidding me? What an amazing scene. Now here, let me give you some help. We may not be able to comprehend this totally. We may not be able to diagram it accurately. We may not be able to explain it completely, but we will enjoy it eternally by God's grace through our faith in Jesus. We're going to enjoy it eternally by God's grace through our faith in Jesus. So what's our takeaway today? What's our takeaway? What does God want for you? What does he want for me in light of this truth? that he is downloading to you and me this morning. Well, let's look at some points that we can take with us this morning and share with those that God's going to place around us this day and this week. Let's look at these application points, these points that we're going to take away, points of truth that we're going to take away with us this morning. Number one, the return of Jesus is imminent. We know this. It's clear. Jesus can come back for us at any moment. That includes right here, right now. That includes today. The second point, as we know, the return of Jesus is... uh, as sure as the resurrection of Jesus. The return of Jesus is as sure as the resurrection of Jesus. Our hope in Jesus, our hope in eternity with God in heaven one day is built on the resurrection of Jesus. Since we know Jesus is risen, he's alive, we know that he's coming back for us because he told us and promised us that he would and he fulfills every one of his promises. Third point, the return of Jesus is for all followers, awake or asleep. It's for all followers. We're all gonna enjoy This parousia, the coming of Jesus Christ. It's for all followers of Jesus Christ. We also know that the return of Jesus is going to be spectacular. I mean, come on, let's think about it for a minute. This is going to be spectacular. This return of Jesus for us. The scene, how it's going to unfold, the sounds. It's going to be amazing. The sixth. Or the fifth, the fifth rather point, the return of Jesus will reunite us with other believers. The return of Jesus is going to reunite us with other believers. Hey, listen, our family members, our friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ who have gone on to be with the Lord, we're going to be reunited with them. We're going to see them again. My loved ones, I'm thinking of them right now. Who are in glory. I'm going to see him again. You're going to see your loved ones. Those who have gone before your brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. You're going to see him again one day. Are you kidding me? Hey, listen. One of these points would be more than enough. For us to just leave on and just to rejoice and celebrate all day today, regardless of what happens at 3.30 this afternoon. It's enough. It's enough. Praise God, it's enough. Take your outlines with you after church today. Just refer back to this if if it doesn't go well. Refer back to this. It's enough. Hey, listen. The return of Jesus will unite us with our Savior, Jesus. The return of Jesus will unite us with him. We're going to see our Savior. The one who gave himself for us. Are you kidding? 
How amazing. How awesome. How great is our God. How great is our God. The seventh, the final point of application for us this morning, it's not the final one in scripture, but it's the final one for us this morning is simply this. We need to encourage one another with these words. We need to encourage one another with these words. He finishes chapter four. Look what he says in verse 18. What a great way to finish this passage in verse 18. He says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, based off everything I've shared, based off everything I've downloaded for you, now would you encourage one another with these words? Encourage simply means to come alongside and to cheer, to come alongside and to encourage. It's the picture of a brother or sister in Christ coming alongside another brother or sister in Christ, wrapping our arms around the other brother or sister in Christ, and then just pouring encouragement, pouring cheer, pouring comfort into them. Encourage one another is a present active imperative. That means it is a command for us to obey today and every day. Now, you need to understand a few things about this final verse. We can all encourage one another. Nobody gets an out on this passage. Nobody gets an out on this application as followers of Jesus Christ. We can encourage one another. I know you can encourage one another, and I know I can. Why? Because God commanded us to in his word. And God doesn't command us to do something that he will not also equip us to do. We can encourage one another. That means you need to be thinking right now, right at this moment, this very moment, who you're going to encourage. That's what you need to be thinking. You need to be thinking right now, who are you going to encourage? And may I submit and suggest that you start thinking first and foremost about someone to encourage right here in this room here in just a few minutes, because that's what this passage means. That's what the command tells us to do. We are to encourage one another. We can do it because God's going to equip us to do it by his power at work in us. But listen, we need to encourage one another with these words because we need encouragement. Do you realize that the believers in Thessalonica desperately needed encouragement? They needed encouragement. They were struggling. They were grieving. They were confused. They were dealing with persecution and opposition. It wasn't easy to be a follower of Jesus Christ in Thessalonica. They needed encouragement. Paul encouraged them because they needed encouragement. We need to encourage one another because we all need encouragement. But secondly, we need to encourage one another with these words because these words are encouraging. They're encouraging. The truth of the return of Jesus motivates us to live for Jesus. The truth of the return of Jesus comforts us as we live for Jesus. The truth of the return of Jesus helps us to endure our struggles and challenges and difficulties and the opposition and the persecution and the pain that we deal with on a day-by-day basis as followers of Jesus as we seek to live for Jesus. The return of Jesus reminds us that we can be confident in this, that he who began a good work in us will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We can be confident today that God who started this good work in us of salvation will carry on that work of sanctification in us until the day of Christ Jesus, until we see him face to face. That's the day of glorification. We know the return of Jesus reminds us that this world's not our home. We're just passing through because our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await the Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, give the Lord a hand. Give the Lord a hand. Give the Lord a hand. Hey, listen. The return of Jesus reminds us our challenges are temporary. Our difficulties 
are temporary. Our hurts are temporary. Our pain, it's temporary. Our problems, they're temporary. Our struggles, our sorrow, our suffering is temporary. Our tears, it's temporary. Our trials of faith, it's temporary. You see, the day is coming when there's going to be no more sorrow and no more struggles. The day is coming when there'll be no more pain or problems. The day is coming when there's going to be no more tears or no more trials. The day is coming when we're going to be reunited with our believers, other brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. The day is coming when we're going to be united with our Savior Jesus and we will be with Him forever. Amen. 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 Hey, and listen. Until that day comes, we must continue to live and please God more and more by the power of God at work in us. We must continue to live out our faith in Jesus by our obedience to Jesus. We must continue to love one another as Christ Jesus loves us. Until that day comes, we must keep giving to Jesus and growing in Jesus and going for Jesus. We must continue telling others about Jesus so they'll be there at the reunion with us one day in glory. We must continue watching and waiting for the return of Jesus because he's coming back. He's coming back and it's going to be all right for you and me. You see, I love what Paul said. It makes a whole lot more sense now to us after this passage when Paul said, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, they're not going to be worth comparing to the glory that's going to be revealed to us when we see our Savior face to face. The struggles, and we have them. The hurts, the pain, we have them. They're real. That's why Paul said, hey, I need you to do something for me today. I need you to do something for me here in just a moment. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to encourage one another with these words. You see, Jesus is coming back for us and we will be with him together forever. Amen and amen and amen. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Let's respond.